got a series. I've got three specific points. I'm teaching on seeds. God's word is seed. Seeds are amazing things. The other day, Cyril showed me on his cell phone. Cyril from London, give him a big old hand. I love Cyril. He showed me on his phone what they called a Methuselah seed. And Methuselah, if you read about him in the Bible, he lived to a very, very ripe old age. But uh, I guess maybe was it somewhere in Egypt or somewhere they, they found a palm seed. They figured it was about 2,000 years old. Well, they took that dusty old seed and they germinated it and it sprouted and it grew. And that fascinates me, that, that capacity for something that would sit dormant for so long and that's just a natural seed of a plant. And as I was meditating on these, uh, and in preparing and meditating on these verses to teach you guys about just the significance of, of words, God's word is seed. Seeds, he provides seed for the sower and bread for food. But yet, what I want to get over to you is uh, the word picture that Jesus brings to us. I think about this Jesus came to sow seeds, the seed of God's word. So I want to start with Matthew's gospel. I want to go to Matthew 13, 18 through 22. And there's a key word and the key phrase in it. We'll look at Matthew 13, 18. And uh, the key word in here I want you to look for is the word understands. In fact, I'm going to just go ahead of myself a little bit while you're turning to those pages. The second point is Mark chapter 4, verse 13 through 20. And that key word is accepts. Everybody say accepts. And then the third word is in the, book, the gospel of Luke, and that word is keeps, keeps. So three words, let's say this together, understands, accepts, and keeps. Okay, so now let's go down into the content of this message. Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. Jesus comes in on the scene and paints word pictures in the agrarian society that he was responsible for. He goes in and he's speaking to people, a society that primarily relates to farming, the, the society whose economy is based on producing crops and maintaining farmland and so forth, agriculture. So Jesus comes in and speaks using illustration and word pictures. And um, he brings practical truths within the realm of human experience to articulate his spiritual points. And Jesus doesn't want his spiritual points to be enigmatic, mystical, impossible to grasp. He brings them into terms that people can relate to. Hallelujah. That's wonderful. And he says, hear the parable of the sower. He says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. So this underscores a couple of things. First of all, the sower sows what? He sows the word. It's a parable of the sower. And I think it's interesting because... Not only is this a farmer community that Jesus is preaching to, but actually Adam and Eve had their start in what? A garden, right? 
And he said, of all these trees, you can eat all this fruit and so forth. And he provided these seed-bearing plants. And he, he said, there's just one tree you're not to eat of. That's the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Of course, we know Adam and Eve got enticed, tempted. They, they embraced the allure of it. And it's called the fall of man. But Jesus came to bring restoration. He came to sow seeds in the soil of our hearts. And what he's saying here is so powerful. He's saying that understanding is critical. Understanding is critical. And, and in fact, I'm convinced this is why Jesus teaches the way he teaches. You know, he, he speaks about birds and fowls of the air trying to come and steal rocky, stony ground and so forth. Let's just continue here with verse 20. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Now, think about verse 21, and uh, we'll get back to that. There's something in Psalm 105 regarding Joseph's life about being tested by the word, persecution coming because of the word's sake, and yet the word is the basis of our faith. So we are called to meditate on the word, to receive the word, to ponder the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But the thief comes to steal the word. In fact, I learned to pray for church services that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened and I bind the mind-blinding spirits and the fowls of the ear that try to come and steal. Well, we are God's field. We're God's garden. And his, seed, his word, it's seed. And uh, I just pray you get a, an understanding on it as I'm preaching. I pray a spirit of wisdom and revelation would come here because the devil wants to try to dismantle that. In fact, the goal for somebody like me is to preach clearly in a way that you can grasp it and it will produce confidence in your heart. It'll get you focused on the Lord. It'll get you with weapons to fight the fight of faith. Something will trigger while the message is being preached that will fuel your faith, that will increase your confidence, that will give you an understanding to wage spiritual war, to cast down imaginations, to get your mind renewed, get your heart closer to God. But the devil is the opposite of that. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy he wants to numb and blunt our, our understanding. He comes to steal. That's what I want to focus on with this because we'll just read the rest of it to verse 23. Verse 21 says, yet he has no firm root in himself and so he's just temporary. I want to see people get truly saved and stay the course. So I want you guys to be in faith with me about this so that uh, as persecution and affliction arises people stay on track and fight the fight of faith all the way to the very end verse 22 and the one on whom the seed was sown among the thorns this is the man who hears the word and the worry of the world the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful so there's a talk about seed sown on the side of the road where i think that symbolizes that it's a side issue rather than a the central issue it's casual you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I remember the girl that invited me to church. She fell away a couple of weeks later. And the guy I brought, his mom told him to throw his Bible in the trash, and I watched him throw the Bible into his little wastebasket in his bedroom. That was the atmosphere I got saved in. The girl that invited me to church fell away quickly, and the guy I tried to lead to the Lord over the fence for me, I watched him throw, his mom said, throw that Bible away, and he threw it in the wastebasket. That's intense. That's the opposite of revival. 
That's the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So she was touched by God, excited about God, magnetic in terms of inviting me. What I could tell there was something in her life, but then, you know, she, she drifted off. Well, when I moved from California to St. Louis, I was only six months old in the Lord, and I didn't do the diligence to go find a church. Now, bear in mind, I did not have any reinforcement from my, my mother was hostile, and my dad was busy working, and it wasn't a central part of our family. And like a lot of you could relate to that sort of, just it's sort of a numb, dull issue. It's not a central issue. I didn't come from a fervent Christian home. So I had no reinforcement. And the sun would come up and my roots, I weren't very deep, and I drifted off. Thankfully, the Lord connects with you and works on you. He's, he's the one that's drawing us. and It's his sustaining grace. It's his mercy. So these things give us warnings like, Worries and cares. Boy, it's rampant right now. Agitation and vexation is so becoming so sophisticated right now in terms of because we're in the information superhighway and we're what there was the industrial revolution back at the turn of the last century, the turn of this century, it's full on 10 lanes information superhighway. You know, when I started in church, we didn't have social media platforms where there wasn't much with computer. And things have rapidly accelerated. The Bible says in the end times, knowledge will increase. People will be going to and fro. All this fulfillment is on a head-on course, and these things are coming to pass. What do we do then? We go into these simple, essential things Jesus said in the Gospels and hunker down embracing this incorruptible seed of the Word of God. We're to be Word people. I want to be a word preacher. Jesus is the word made flesh. It ultimately ties into a personal devotion to the resurrected Savior whose name is J-E-S-U-S, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the only one who can save, the name above every name, and eventually every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so when we go into the Old and New Testament, we know it's all profitable, it's all God-breathed. This is a seed bag, and it is... It is, it is more, there's more potential in this. You say, well, it's 2,000 years old. Cyril told me about the seed from archaeologists found and they germinated it and it sprouted. That's just some palm tree. How much more? The wonderful, true, powerful, awesome, mighty word of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, but God's word will not pass away. It's forever settled in heaven and this is what the scriptures teaching us to settle these things in our heart. So I'm preaching and I'm teaching. So here we go. Hear the word and you understand it. Here's what it says in verse 23. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. Everybody say amen. amen. That verse 23 is a beautiful place. Because it's teaching us that we are to listen and trust God for comprehension. I remember I took a speed reading class in college, and it was real popular. Evelyn Wood Reading Dynamics came out. This was a sort of a generic alternate, and uh, I got into it, man, because I wanted to read my Bible, and I wanted to learn and comprehend, but it wasn't just speed reading. They also tested you on comprehension. So it wasn't just reading a bunch of letters. Just, I just read a bunch of pages. 
it's comprehension, it's retention. In this setting, we're believing God for revelation. I pray that revealed knowledge would come to you. I pray that what you need right now would come to you in the name of Jesus. That while I'm preaching and I'm trying to do my thing, the Holy Spirit, who in fact is our teacher, invisible though very profoundly present, is the one who stimulates our hearts and our minds. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. We have an anointing from the Holy One, and we actually know all things. We actually do have the Holy Spirit who's there to power assist our comprehension and bring us into an abundant understanding. Hallelujah. God has designed this thing so farmers can go seeds, soil, birds, hard ground. I get it. Everybody say, I get it. Understanding. See, the devil tries to just get it numb and dull and blunt where we just don't, what? But I'm praying for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him to alight unto your world that is so profound and it becomes even more so that when you're reading your Bible, it becomes illuminated to you. That spirit of wisdom and revelation starts to stir in your thinking because we have a battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We're to put on the whole armor of God. We're to cast down imaginations and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You young people, hear the word of the Lord. The spirit of the world is trying to conform you and squeeze you into its own mold. Be not conformed to this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Right now, there is so much at play and this is why we hold up our shields of faith. This is why pre-meeting prayer, we're believing God. I'm telling you, we're believing God for your understanding, the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. It's a privilege to have, blessed are your eyes for they see, Jesus said. Your, your ears for they hear. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Man, I pray God helps us. We're not supposed to use Q-tips in our ears, so I'm not gonna teach that, but I heard a nurse say you're not supposed to put anything smaller than your elbow in your ear. Somebody told me to use your blow dryer to, clean, to dry your ears out. I was like, okay. So I'm not going to tell you to use a Q-tip, but I am going to tell you to trust God as you come into an environment like this. Lord, I pray the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened. One word from God, germinated and sprouting, can produce such amazing results. Hallelujah. I pray the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Now let's go to Mark. This is my favorite. I read Mark more than I do Matthew or Luke's account, but there's harmony in the Gospels. And the first point is understanding. The key word in that parable of the sower in Matthew is understanding. That's a key. And in fact, this is what I learned in that reading dynamics class when I was doing speed reading. It wasn't good enough just to read fast. I needed to retain and understand some things because I was going to be tested on it. The teacher said, oh, I saw how fast you turned the pages. That's awesome, Jeff. That's great. That's great. But I'm going to test you on the content. You know, can I read something to you while you're turning to this? In Psalm 105, it says about Joseph, God called him. There was a famine upon the land. He called God. There was a famine on the land, and God broke the whole staff of bread. There was a critical moment in Egypt and in the Middle East and, and I guess all over the land and God had anointed Joseph and given him a premonition, a spiritual heads up that he was called to address this. And God sent a man before them, Joseph, 
who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons. If you read about the life of Joseph, he had a vision and a dream. His brothers threw him in a hole. They pretended like they were going to kill him. They sold him into slavery. He had years and years of hardship. And uh, it says, he himself was laid into irons until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. I've noticed this. When you and I will take hold of a promise, when you and I will hold on to the will of God, you and I are believing God for something, we're speaking out a promise that we see in the word of God, the enemy, the Bible says, persecution arises for the word's sake. The devil does not like the power of the word of God, nor does he like the, the design that God has made us as our hearts are his garden. We're, we're like a, a soil. God calls our heart an atmosphere, the very receptor for the seed. A seed just standing alone is easily picked off. A seed that doesn't get implanted, the birds of the air can come and pick it off. That's why what I'm praying about right now is that this will go down deep, deep into your heart where then it is protected. The fowls of the air can't even find it because it's going from just head knowledge and it's going down into your spirit and you're getting supernaturally charged, supernaturally strengthened. And we'll cooperate with this. We're, the Bible says that they came to hear and they were healed. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It thunders from the book of Romans. How will they believe if they've never heard? How will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they're sent? Isaiah 53, 1, he said, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The word of God is a seed trigger for our belief system. We're biblical type people. We believe the promises of the word of God. We've heard about the creator. We've heard about sin that separates us. We've heard about the law that we try to obligate to and try to live within and that it, in fact, is impossible to fulfill the law and yet Jesus came and never sinned. He's the one who came in, not just modeling ethics. He came in and fulfilled all the righteous responsibilities and requirements that were impossible for us to fulfill and so that by us receiving him and identifying with him and embracing him and loving him and surrendering to him and humbling ourselves before him, hallelujah, there's salvation in Jesus. And when that gospel seed is sown, the salvation comes. I'm very, very concerned about the souls of the men and women that will pour in through this place. I am believing God, the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened. I'm praying that the seeds don't just get all just thrown all over the place. I pray they go down into good soil and, and they bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. Everybody say understands. In Mark chapter four, the key word is accepts. It says in Mark chapter four, thir verse 13, again, he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? Verse 14, just thunders from the words of Jesus. The sower sows the word. The sower sows the the word. I've noticed whenever I hear preaching, I'm always looking for and hanging on the scriptures. Everything ties in to showcase the scriptures. The scriptures are not a side issue. The scriptures are central because it's the word of God. Stories are good. In fact, parables are, are a gift to us because it helps us to relate deep spiritual 
principles within the range of our human experience. Aren't you thankful for that? We could actually understand and comprehend and come to know the Lord. And yet, you know, here's what it says here about some are thrown on the wayside, and I've already shared that, the rocky places, and uh, some have no root in themselves, and uh, they immediately fall away. But verse 18, it says, and others, they're the ones whose seed is sown among the thorns. There are the ones who have, they've heard the word, the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, desires for other things, enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Do, hey, do yourself a favor and study this chapter. Study Mark chapter 4. And if you want to really focus on it, go 13, verse 13, all the way to about verse 29. Because you'll discover some things. You'll get some revelation as you ponder this. Particularly understanding the nature of worry. The anxieties, the cares, the problematic aspects of the world. It's become very popular in modern Western culture to communicate non-stop a barrage of all the ills and social ills of the world i mean it goes on and on and on they're designed to hijack your spirit we want to be civically responsible we don't want to you know ignore the issues of the times we want to be cognizant and, and we want to be aware yet not overly so in the book of acts in chapter 17 paul was in athens waiting for his friends to come and I love it because Paul was just waiting around, very similarly to John chapter 4 where Jesus was waiting at the well for the disciples who went to get food and the woman with, at the well came to get water and there was this conversation that started which precipitated salvation to the girl and she went back to her town and brought them and the whole town of the city of Samaria, an entire town, responded and received Jesus. So I love that. And that was just kind of a, a, an aside. The same thing with... Um, Paul in Athens. The Bible says his spirit was provoked by the city full of idols. And you'll see, as you're walking with God, God will quicken you with this. You'll start to get a check in your spirit about things, and it will precipitate the next steps of your obedience. Listen, God will use you in the stuff that bugs you. You'll see some things, and you'll go, man, you'll go, why isn't this changing? Why isn't this changing? Probably because God wants to anoint you to address it. Really? Really? To alleviate suffering? We, we, we're supposed to care for, for less fortunate people. We're not supposed to be indifferent. As a church body, I want to do that. As individuals, I want to be sensitive to that. Who, are, who is certified as a poor person? Anybody with problems worse than you. And there are loads of needs all around about us. And I like what Robert Schuler said so many years ago. Find a hurt and heal it. Find a need and, and, and address it. Meet it. I just believe God wants to stimulate something here. This is another part of my motivation in preaching for your faith to get really strong, for your roots to go down deep in order that you can bear much fruit and that your fruit will last. Hallelujah. And that signs and wonders will follow your life. You who are battling in this moment right now and the devil's challenging you. Persecution arises for the word's sake. And with Joseph, the word tested him. He had such a vision and the whole time he was carrying it, he was so burdened, nothing was correlating, none of his circumstances were lining up. But God had this culmination moment to prepare for a breakthrough moment. Hallelujah. 
I'm going off a little bit here, uh, off my course here, but it's actually something centered right for you right now. Just get a hold of this if you need it. The persecution arises for the word's sake. Well, I'm just not going to read the Bible. Ignorance is not bliss. We must meditate on God's word. Fall in love with the Bible. Meditate on it. I found out that I have an Alexander Scorby app on my phone, and I just noticed that I can speed it up. So I speed read, now I speed listen. You say, Pastor Jeff, that seems like you are, you're not going to retain much. I'm going to retain a whole lot more than if I hadn't listened to it. And I want to keep listening to it and listening to it and listening to it until it becomes something that I feel connected with. I don't want it to be distant and obscure. It's the most treasured truth there is. It's how we find out who God is, what Jesus has done. Hallelujah. Our rights and authority as believers. Woo! So what happens here is the first in Matthew, the, there's understanding. There's a comprehension. God gifts and we receive. And I'm not trying to prompt you toward performance. I'm not like, oh, I got to understand more. No, I'm telling you, resist the devil. When you go to the word of God, you come into a meeting like this, you turn on a CD or an MP3 or whatever download or, or podcast or however, conference or church service or whatever. And you come in, God, I am hungry for your word. I, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Whoever asks receives, whoever knocks, the door will be opened. If you seek, you shall find. So Lord, I'm trusting you to help me stir up, break up hardness in my life worldliness. Help me to get focused. Can I hear an amen? amen? Okay, so Mark chapter 4. Here's the word, verse 20. This is, these are the ones where the seed was sown on good soil. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. So everybody say accept. Amen. Say I believe, I believe. I, receive. I receive. So one of the things years ago, we, we rented billboard signage on the buses and we put receive Jesus on the buses. And they were driving all around town saying receive Jesus. They're just moving all around. And uh, people got upset. Who put this out? Who, who did this? Well, that's part of our calling. Part of our calling in this church. Part of our calling in this church is to make Jesus known. Just for the desire to make Jesus known. I want to lift up and make his name where it's impossible for people to ignore him. Not under our watch, not in our era. No. Jesus is going to be lifted up. Hallelujah. John chapter 1, verse 12, it says, As many as received him, to them he gives the right and the power to become the children of God. So I pray for a comprehension and understanding. And then he accepts the word. Well, then the third one, and we'll close with Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, verse 11. You have just a little bit. Are you working with me? You still here? I've got, a, you have a little bit more in you. I do. I'm just going to get this. I'm not going to go real long, but it will be strong. Ready? Luke chapter 8, verse 11. It says the parable of the sower again in the Luke account. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Then, of course, it goes, these are the ones on the side, beside the road who've heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their heart so that they will not believe and be saved. See, head knowledge is one thing. But when the word gets down on the inside of our spirit, in our heart, central in our life, that's where the changes occur. 
when we have the word going down into our, the soil of our center of our life, becomes central to us, that's when we start to see interesting things happen all around about us in our work. Whatever we put our hand to prospers. We sow into our, we believe for our kids. And then here in Luke, this is where we just continue. We just keep, keep on keeping on. This is where a lot of us are at. This is what Joseph, he, he received the word. He understood it. Hey, I just feel like there's stuff God's called me to do. And then, man, he got a smackdown. The word got tested in his life. A lot of us, you know, we're believing God for things. Pastor Jeff, I've been believing God for this and that, and I've been challenged. It didn't come on my time frame like I had expected. In fact, all hell broke loose in some regards. Well, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Remember in the, remember in the Lord of the Rings, whenever Frodo would put the ring on, those creepy horse guys would be all Creepy horse guys lurching all around. Well, I'm just not going to put the ring on. Well, but you're anointed to carry this thing. And if you don't understand that and you haven't watched those movies, what? I don't understand. Those are good movies. <laughs> Tolkien, it's gospel, it's good. Not all gospel, but, you know, he tried. All right, let's look at this. Luke chapter 8, verse 14. The seed which fell among the thorns, worries, cares, desire for other things, uh, riches, pleasures of this life, choke the word, and it does not come to maturity. It does not come to maturity. God wants us to mature and grow up in all aspects. God does not want us to be eternally immature. We are to grow up, and it doesn't matter if we had bad, undisciplined childhoods, if we had dysfunctional households. In fact, not if, but since. And those of you who are super sophisticated, joined the military, you got a PhD by the time you were 22, and so forth, God bless you. I don't get it, but God bless you. And don't be prideful. you got a whole other deal because now you got to just be like, I, I have to count this all as loss in view of knowing Jesus. <laughs> it's just a level playing field here. Hallelujah. Right? There's room for the sophisticates and the barefoot hippies and everybody in between. Boy, this is good. Look at what it says here in verse 15. But the seed in the good soil, these are the ones who have heard the word in an honest and good heart. And hold it fast. Everybody say, hold it fast. Hold it. Grab it. This is where I think we're, we're grabbing onto this thing. We're holding onto this thing. They'll bear fruit with perseverance. Perseverance appeals to me. It's different than just roots quickly burning up because of the sun and just things blowing away, right? I'm believing God for your spiritual welfare. I'm believing God for your spiritual vitality. I'm believing God for your fruitfulness. It matters to eternity. It matters in the kingdom. It matters to other people's lives. And I always have these multiple aims when I'm preaching. I want Jesus to be glorified and exalted, first and foremost, paramount. I also want the collective of our church to identify and fulfill its call, because I have a responsibility as a pastor for that and a leader. But on the individual basis, that's where it gets really interesting. Because the Bible calls us members of the body of Christ and that we all have gifts differing and we're all to employ them and serving one another. Man, this is awesome. You could catch this and you get on fire with this. You as a person in God, in your personhood with God, will increase in fruitfulness exponentially. You'll get around and you'll see signs and wonders follow you, not on a randomness, but on a more consistent basis. 
He wants our fruit to multiply, not just 30, 60, but 100-fold. The potential is there for all of us. I'm not cynical. I, I believe there's hope for all of us with regard to the soil of our heart. And I, I believe like what it says in Proverbs chapter 4, my son, attend to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them escape your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? Because they are life to those who find them and health to their whole body, all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. Keep your heart. Cultivate your heart. God told Adam and Eve, tend the garden. God's telling us, tend the garden. As we abide in him and his word abides in us, we can ask whatever we will. It'll be done for us by our Father who's in heaven. We call out and ask for the nations, the ends of the earth for our possession. We call out, God, we're believing you for the greater things that you've called us to. And help us to be faithful in the small things. Little foxes spoil the vine. A little leaven leavens a whole lump. Well, a little mustard seed of faith can change the whole cotton-picking world. When you text scriptures to your husband, it matters. It's noticeable. It's powerful. It translates through, you type out your, your text of your scripture, and it means something. It becomes prophetic. We're actually called to voice the purposes of God in our particular era. This is our time, you guys. There's never been a better time to be alive. Hallelujah. I don't long for the glory days. These are the glory days. I, was getting, I told a friend I was getting ready. I'm I, he's, he's older than me, and I was going to say, the best days are the next days. When I erased it, I was sitting next to Kingston. I said, no, nah, that's not what I want to say because it's right now. Now, now, faith is now. It's right now. We don't have the future yet. It's not here. We don't have the past. It's gone. Hallelujah. You know that song, he's embraced my past. It's like, I hope he's erased my past. Everybody say understands, accepts, keeps. Oh, and here's where I want to finish so that you don't get, well, I guess Pastor Jeff's preaching that I need to understand more and I, I need to accept it more and receive it more. And I, I, I need to hold fast more. Well, yes, but let's finish with Mark chapter 4 and let's read this last little point so that we don't turn this into a bunch of performance-oriented types of works. Let me just tell you, you say, Pastor Jeff, depression has run in my family. It seems to be a physical thing. Well, maybe. Hormones are an issue. Blood sugar is an issue. But even then, his word is health to all our flesh. Oh, Pastor Jeff, I've been, I was victimized. I, this happened, trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder. I didn't understand that until my boating accident where I couldn't even think clearly for about a year and a half. And I just toughed it out because that's just how I do it. I probably should have got some help, but really my help comes from the Lord. And my family, they were all my counselors, especially Patsy. Man, I said, you know, Patsy, I've never really had to go to a counselor because you married a counselor. I've been your counselor for 40 years. It's like, well, good point. Not a dumping ground. You know, we cast our cares on the Lord, not on each other. Okay, so I just got through telling you that if you don't understand it, it could be stolen. But let me just help you so you're not all, you don't go away just like, I, I hope I understand what he was trying to teach about understanding. Because, you know, God's, what is this? Love passes understanding, right? The steadfast love, it, it's, it's beyond understanding. 
So we're trying to wrap our heads around this, but look what it says in verse 26 through 29. Let's all stand up on our feet and just keep listening. Let's look at verse 26 through 29, Mark chapter 4. It says about the seed. He was saying the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day. Who in here, let me ask you, you go to bed at night and you get up by day. Let me see a show of hands. You know what that's called? Normal life. So what it's saying is, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day. Basically, hey, human folks, in the context of your humanness, you all, I want to get this supernatural plan into your life, let you understand there are spiritual truths that can go down into the systems of your life, and you don't have to spin a bunch of plates and juggle a bunch of stuff. We can do this thing. Nudge somebody and say, we could do this thing. I commend you for your showing up because that's what that last verse talks about, keeping, standing, steadfastness. God, God is able to sustain us to the end. Who in here could say, by the grace of God, I'm still here? How many of you would say, it's not because I figured out a bunch of principles and I am so awesome? Because we realize when you walk with God any length of time, it's like, no, that is not where the glory goes. On yet, though, God wants us to mix what we hear with faith. Faith without corresponding action is dead. That's why, again, just us showing up is part of that dynamic of standing and holding fast. Some of you guys worked 65 hours this week. You were home and it felt so, you sat down and you started focusing on mid-range. You ate some carbs. You glazed over, you watched 30 seconds of news and you wanted to fall asleep for the night. And the farmer does do that. He goes to bed at night and he gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. Pastor Jeff, you just said you got to understand it. Yet, it's okay if we don't have all of it figured out, people. Because it says the soil produces the crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature head, grain in the head. And I like it that it says head here because that's where we need the word we need it in our heart, and we need it to wash and renew our minds. And then it says, but when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. There was a day where Joseph had the harvest come in a moment. He talked to the baker and the, who was the baker and the, yeah, and, and, and hey, remember me and tell me to tell the Pharaoh, and he forgot, you know. Mordecai, he had a situation where he had done an intervention to save the king's life from a plot, and they forgot. They were rereading the Chronicles and said, hey, who's this guy Mordecai? He did something good for And they forgot, supposedly. Joseph, thrown in a hole, rejected, dismissed, serving in Potiphar's house, gets falsely accused, thrown into jail, dismissed, forgotten. The word of God is developing, and it's causing, it has, actually, he's like, how what I have a sense I had a dream and it's been a parabolic roundabout way to get there but see there is a hope for a harvest when the crop permits immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come <laughs>